celebrating this. Now, in, in this particular case, Israel has just been delivered and, and, and released from Babylon and from Cyrus. And so Isaiah now is getting ready to prophesy about something that is a lot more significant than them being released. He's going to tell them that there is a coming Christ, that there is a coming Messiah, that their Savior is coming. So it starts off in Isaiah 9-6, the first part. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. So Father, I pray that you just bless this word in your name, and that, as always, I pray that anything that is not of you would fall on the floor before us, but that which is of you would pierce our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So his prophecy here in Isaiah 9, 6, and I'm just going to go through 9, 6 and first part of 7, and I'm going through them very rapidly. But I'm going to kind of give our church a little bit of an assignment that between now and Christmas and going into Christmas, I, I challenge you to read these one and a half scriptures is all I'm really looking at. Maybe every day between now and Christmas. And if all that snow develops that they're beginning to talk about, you'll have a lot of nothing to do. <laughs> but meditate upon it. Because in, in this first part, there's three important parts, which I'm just going to, like I said, run through. And then there's five names that the father, that Isaiah calls this person that's coming that are really significant because God takes names extremely seriously. So unto us a child is born. Now now picture in your mind. Now think about this and, and think about how you do it. Okay? Think about a newborn baby, if we can have that picture. Oh, I didn't give it to you. And she's and she's not back there. So just imagine there's a baby up there. <laughs> here it is right here. If you could just look at this and see it. But, but just imagine a, a, a small, young, new, beautiful, innocent-looking, powerless, uh, just this really humble, dependent little baby. That's who God sent to deliver us. Now, I think I would have sent an army, kind of like the Roman army. He sent a baby. Human. And yet, here, do you want these? W were you looking for this? <laughs> Can you give that to her? <laughs> Sorry about that, Shannon. <laughs> I was asking for the picture of the baby, but never gave it to you. <laughs> but anyway, can you so just imagine that? I mean, so those that had children or nieces and nephews or grand, you know, grandparents and so forth. I mean, just picture that baby in your mind. Okay? We were at, my, uh, as Chris and I put it, or mostly me anyway, my bloodline side of our family. Okay? And there was little Maddie, little Cole, and little Lukey. Okay? 
and Luki is about to turn four, three. He's still in diapers, and and so, you know, I mean, they're just innocent. They're they're just fun to be around. They're you know, you, you just talk to them, and they you know, they're not very powerful. They're just loving. They're kind, and and they look like babies. But this is who God is sending. He's sending a baby to do what we couldn't do. We couldn't save ourselves. There he is. Look at Shannon do a great job. You can applaud. It's okay. She did a great job. Let's embarrass her a little bit. Um, but that's who he sent. To do what we couldn't do. To overcome sin. To open the door to eternal life with Father. God does things differently than we do, doesn't he? I mean, I, I constantly read the Bible and, and, I, and I read it and I go, whoa, why do you do it that way? But he's always got a plan and he knows what he's doing. He's sending a baby to do what we couldn't do. A child was born. A child that was man's only hope, man and woman's only hope to salvation. Second one, like I said, these are brief. Unto us a son is given. Other writers also wrote about this in 2 Samuel 7, 14. ESV, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Psalm 2, 7, I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. And in Hebrews 1.5, for to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son today, I have begotten you. God gave his son, his only son. And he didn't give it just for natural Israel. He gave it for spiritual Israel, the church, you and I, those who are followers of Jesus for us, for our salvation. I mean, that's pretty amazing. I, I think about this, and that's why I like to read uh, Isaiah 9-6, Isaiah 9-6 if you're from England. That's why I like to read it, because it just blows my mind. It, it, it just speaks of how unique God is, how powerful he is, and how much he loves us. And I think we don't, I, I, oh, I wonder, I'll put it this way. I wonder if we think about how much he loves us enough, if we think about it enough. Because his love overcomes everything. And when we sit in his love, it, it's just pretty amazing. And, and you think about this child, he says, that our, 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 our salvation is, is contained in this child, you know, who is God's son, okay? Who, when you think about it, he was a child. He didn't grow up in a castle someplace. He grew up in humility, starting in a manger. Now, they had a bunch of money. I imagine that gold, myrrh, and frankincense were worth something. But God brought along, as you know, the rest is uh, more of the story, to go down to Egypt to get away from Herod and so forth. Um, 
you know, so that was that was cool, but but he didn't have great wealth. He he would work as a carpenter for a while. I mean, I don't know how many of you have been watching The Chosen, but one of my favorite scenes is in season one. I think it's round three or four. It's the one with Abigail, the little girl, and all the kids. I, I just love that. I mean, it's you don't find that in scripture anywhere. I understand that. But I don't have a problem seeing Jesus as somebody who plays with a bunch of little kids and, and carves things for them and so forth. But that's who he was. He never really had a name before he started his public ministry. A, a public ministry that would take him through a lot of abuse and take him to the cross. For you. For me. For us. Opening the salvation to everyone who believes. And you know, to believe it's really quite simple. You just come to a place like I did where everything was falling apart you know, and I was doing all this evil stuff to where I just finally went, I can't do it. I, I, I just can't do it. I need somebody. I need a Savior. And fortunately, Randy was there telling me about the Savior. Capital T-H-E, capital J-E-S-U-S. What a glorious gift. But there's more. And the government will be upon his shoulder. Now, this term shoulder really is is a symbol for the great strength that Jesus has. And he needed that strength to rule because there was really, when you think about it, there was really kind of a large burden laid upon him by the Father. And you see that in the Garden of Gethsemane when not once, not twice, but three times when Jesus says, Father, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless not my will, but your will become be done. Not that he wasn't wanting to do it, but he was seeing the weight that he was going to carry. Okay? He never faltered. You should never... I, I unfortunately heard somebody use that, those, that scripture once. This isn't Easter, but we'll go with it anyway. Um, use that scripture once to say that Jesus was questioning whether he wanted to go to the cross so that we could have salvation. That was never the question. What he was talking about is he saw the weight that he was going to have to carry. A weight that required great strength. But he had that great strength. Not just as a mere mortal, as a baby or child, but as the greatest uh, person of all, as it says in Revelation 17, 14. But the Lamb will defeat them because he is the what? The Lord of lords and the King of kings. The prophet then proceeds to share God's names for this baby, his son. Isaiah, again, 9, 6, the second part of 6. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Names are significant to God. They really are. There's always a meaning behind a name. And so they're also, because they were significant to God, they were significant to Israel. And therefore, they should also be significant to spiritual Israel. Because they often foreshadow coming events, prophesy about coming events, and embody the, the word and the power of the Lord. Now, 
in this particular set of four or five, some Bibles will have wonderful comma counselor separating them into two words, and some will have wonderful counselor making it an adjective for a noun, for the counselor. I choose to go with five words, and that's just how I'm going to approach it. I'm not going to fall on a sword over it or anything like that. I'm just going to I just believe that it's five different uh, adjectives to describe who God is, uh, who Jesus is. His name shall be called Wonderful, and that word wonderful means exciting, exciting wonder, uh, uh, something absolutely marvelous, something that, that is a delight to behold, uh, uh, something that is astonishing, something that is awesome. It's the greatest name ever, and that, ever, and that wonderful indicates uh, that we may see, even see some other exciting things are coming forward, and I think we will because we ha haven't seen the fullness of Christ. And as you've heard me say before, when we were in heaven, one trillion years to the trillionth power, and you see him for the first first time that day, and I'm not saying there's days, I don't know what's, what's there, but you're going to see something new because he's infinite. We may be eternal, but we're not infinite like he is. But we'll constantly grow in amazement at his beauty, at, at, at his depth, at his nature, at the very person of who he is. See, because in Christ there, there are hidden many treasures, peace, joy, all these things that, that, that are available to us. And all we ask is that we pursue him. We spend time with him. We pray that we get into his word, that we meditate upon him, just like I'm asking you to meditate upon uh, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, and the rest of the, the, rest of the Bible, too, but that's beside the point. But that's who he is. And the second name is his name shall be called Counselor. Now, the reason he calls Counselor, he has absolute wisdom. If you look at 1 Corinthians 1, 24, Ephesians 1, 17, Colossians 1, 9, you'll find that out. See, in his counselor, he's amazing. He's ever ready to hear, to, to sit and converse with us. Not only to listen, but if we close our mouths, we can listen because he wants to talk to us. And as he talks to us, it will provide great wisdom and great direction and guidance. See, he's ever ready to share truth with a capital T with us. He's ever ready to, to walk with us and to walk out of any lies or out of any deceptions because he's the perfect counselor. Plus, he's always constantly interceding for us. Third one is his name will be called Mighty God by Al Gabor. He will have the might of God. Why? He is God. Jesus will have power so great that he can withstand any evil that Satan or man or the world, the unholy three, can be thrown at him. I mean, after all, he took on the cross. He took on sin, the sin of all mankind of all ages, past, present, and future. What could be eviler? I, I like more evil, but, but my word corrected me to e eviler out of more evil, but for whatever reason. But he could be more evil. What could be more evil than the cross? Or all the sin in the world? 
he's mighty. He's, he, he's like a, a, a powerful army. This, this little, innocent, beautiful baby grew up into this mighty army, into this amazingly powerful force because he's God. And because he's so mighty, we can rely upon him. We can rely upon his strength. We can know that when we go into battle, we're not alone. Don't show up the red hair. For the guest, if he comes up and asks for your keys. Because he, he, he will. We, we have another car that we still haven't found the keys for. We haven't driven for a couple of months. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I said I'm kidding. Okay. Those, those who go to church here know that it's millions of thoughts that cross my mind while I'm, that should not come out of my mouth, but every once in a while, one slips. But we know that we constantly fight battles of flesh and blood and spiritual battles. And they come from principalities and powers and rose of the darkness as it talks about in Ephesians 6, 12. But what a blessing it is that we have this Savior with such mercy and such grace that he's enough to carry us through everything we ever have to deal with. Hmm. The fourth name. His name will be called Everlasting Father. See, Jesus is the father of the age. He's the eternal father. It's not talking about here that he's the father God, okay? But he's a perpetual God, and he's unlike kings that, you know, there were many kings that would say, call me father. Well, they're all dead, okay? But Jesus is not. It's not a father that imposes himself forcefully, but a father who, who sacrifices himself for his children, who, who laid his life down for us, who preserves the existence of the church throughout the ages, even when it got dark and, and one would wonder what's happening to the church. I think these are exciting days. A little thought that just crossed my mind. I think these are exciting days. You know, I, I, I talk to people who's worried because the Christian church is decreasing in size or this or that or the other thing, and I'm going, yes, God is pruning it. He's making it more powerful. And I believe that. I really do believe that. A little sidebar there. But he sacrifices himself. He preserves the ex existence of the church throughout the ages so that we too, those of us who are in Christ, might be preserved for all eternity. His name will be called Prince of Peace. See, God's declaring that the coming of Christ will result in full and perfect peace. Because he is peace. He created peace. He exudes peace. He establishes peace. He is peace. He is full and perfect peace. And as we I'm convinced of this because I've experienced it. As, as we submit to the dominion of Christ, 
we will lead a quiet, peaceful, and blessed life as we walk in obedience to him. Yesterday as we were driving in, I think it was while we were driving into St. Louis, <coughs> we listened to uh, Bill Johnson's sermon right after his wife passed away. Um, in some ways, it brought back some memories because some of you know the first time I ever preached was at my late wife's funeral. And some of the things Bill said, I, I said, maybe using different words and so forth. But the point is, what I heard throughout his whole thing, he had just lost his wife, but he had peace. And if you want to listen to a, a really good message, if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, go back. It's on YouTube. Uh, we listen on YouTube, right? But go, go to YouTube. It's just an amazing message. I, I like all of his messages, but that was just an amazing one. Because he's peace. And we can have peace in the middle, midst of turmoil. You know? I mean, who here hasn't felt peaceful when there were all kinds of good things going on in your life? But things get a little rough. And you remember scriptures like, be joyful. Be full of peace. That's when you call upon the name of Christ. And his name is called the Prince of Peace. And as we submit to this dominion of Christ, I believe we will lead a quiet, peaceful, and blessed life too. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see that in Philippians 4.7 and also in Colossians 3.15, among others, other scriptures that you can look at and read it uh, and meditate on. It follows that life without Christ is really a restless and miserable life. Look how many people that don't serve the Lord have real anger issues. Look around the world. Look at our own lives when we aren't focused upon the triune God. See, but Christ brings composure to our minds. He, he therefore brings us peace, and his peace will never end. Isaiah 9, 7, 8 then goes on. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. See, the prophets are saying, isn't this marvelous? And guess what? Peace will never end because his government will never end. His government will reign eternal. It's a theocracy. It's not a democracy somebody's electing. We didn't take a vote and elect God, God. God is God because it's a theocracy. And he, he, it's speaking to his divine intervention and direction in our lives. Now, during this church age, for whatever reason, he has chosen, Terry and I were talking earlier this morning before service about how much he trusts us to build the kingdom of God. Now, does that blow anybody else's mind besides me? I mean, you know my story. When I was walking down High Street and I knew God wanted me to plant a church and I looked in the sky and asked the dumbest question in the world, do you know who I am? I mean, ask God, do you know who I am? What's it going to do? Go, oh, hey, angel number 248, can you, is that who I think it is? No, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Okay? But 
He trusts us. And he's established, as it says in, in Ephesians 4.11, I'm reading from the Berean literal translation, and he gave some indeed to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some shepherds and teachers. See, his government will reign eternally, even now. But the reason being isn't because there's offices. The reason being is because there's Jesus. Because he is the final king. There are no other kings that come after him. He is the king that will end all kings. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. None will follow, and he will never, ever forsake us. He will complete that which he has begun, and his kingdom knows no end. Those are amazing promises. And I like how John Calvin, just summarizing this up, the worship team wants to come back up. Do you have a song? Okay. I like how John Calvin summarizes this section of verse. This is what he says. Now, to apply this for our own instruction, whenever, <laughs> don't you love how those people from 200 years ago speak? You know, it's like, whenever any distrust arises, and all means of escape are taken away from us, whenever, in short, it appears to us that everything is in a ruinous condition, let us recall to our remembrance that Christ is called wonderful because he has inconceivable methods of assisting us and because his power is far beyond what we are able to conceive. When we need counsel, let us remember that he is the counselor. When we need strength, let us remember that he is mighty and strong. When new terrors spring up suddenly every instant and when many deaths threaten us from in various quarters, let us rely on that eternity of which he is with good reason called the Father. And by the same comfort, let us learn to soothe all temporal distresses. When we are inwardly tossed by various tempests, and when Satan attempts to, dis to disturb our consciences, let us remember that Christ is the Prince of Peace, and that, he is easy, that it is easy for him quickly to allay all our uneasy feelings. Thus will these titles confirm us more and more in the faith of Christ, and fortify us against Satan and against hell itself. And that is who Jesus is. That's why he came. That's why we celebrate him at Christmas. But even more, it's why I hope that we celebrate him every day, every moment of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, for the rest of our lives. Amen? Let's stand. Father, I pray that as we head towards what has been established as a celebration of your birth, that we would meditate upon you, that we would think of you, that we would roll around in our mind these, these five names, and the, the reasons you came, and the things it talks about in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, Father, and that we would ask that the Holy Spirit would just give us wisdom and understanding into these things because I know it will encourage us. It will strengthen our, our walk with you. And it will pour excitement into our lives that will assist us in building the kingdom of God. So Lord, I pray as we go forward that I pray too that as, as we spend time, especially with any friends and, and loved ones and family that don't know you, that you would let our lights shine and that we would have the opportunity 
to just share the beauty, the peace, the joy, and the kindness of Jesus. And the church said, Amen. Let's close with the song. the world, the Lord, let us receive her King, let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven have the nature sing. Joy to